Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again for, you know, it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. My name is Brian Breaker, and I am your host. I'm bringing you episode 37 this week. Episode 37 with my good friend, John Webb. I have known John for uh, for many years, you know. He's a former WLW heavyweight champion, the first ever WLW Junior Heavyweight Champion. He was the champion of Italy Wrestling. Yeah, that's right. Something we've talked about in the past. WLW Tag Team Champion with his good friend and tag team partner, Jack Gamble. Uh, we've also toured Japan together. Uh, back in 2015, me, John Webb, and Jack Gamble all were a part of Pro Wrestling Noah. Um, you know, just one of those uh, one of those crazy things to, to know that we've wrestled on multiple continents you know it's crazy and you know john's always a guy i've enjoyed talking with just such a a fun guy to, to chat it up with he's a father now he's married he's you know got his own house and uh, kind of moving along in the in the world but you know i i think it's it's so cool to chop it up about pro wrestling with a guy like john webb who you know i kind of saw initially maybe have a little apprehension to the wrestling business is this something i want to do and um it's a lot of sacrificing to be in pro wrestling, and I think sometimes that's a, that's part of it. But that's also the crux of what this show is, right? We always have those uh, those thoughts and feelings of like, oh, God, what's, what's this industry going to be like? And to me, it's been so much fun talking to all my different guests over the, uh, over the last several weeks um, and since the start of the show, honestly. Jack Gamble, I mentioned him. He was in episode one. You know, I, I would love to have him back on the show at some point. I'm sure that'll happen. Uh, also, guys like Dan Geyer or uh, or Bane, even. In fact, uh, who knows? Maybe Bane will be coming back up sooner than you think. But you know, and then previous guests. Last week, Justin Lee it was a really fun episode. I actually just saw him last night as I record this, and he was like, "Man, that was that was really fun." He's like, "I couldn't even remember what we talked about, but I really enjoyed it." And I'm like, "Yeah," and it was kind of all over the place, but it was a good conversation. Which is also my thing. I don't necessarily, you know, plan these out. I want them to be conversations, not necessarily interviews. And, uh, you know, before that, Jordan Zeilinger from Wreck My Podcast, really fun episode there. Dylan Gott, the stand-up comedian, that was a great one. So check out my previous episodes if you get a chance. Uh, rating and review always helps on iTunes, uh, if that's how you listen. If you listen another way, let me know. Um, I know a lot of people use Spotify. Are there other podcasting platforms that you prefer? I, I think it. I think the show's on several of them, but I don't, I don't necessarily use those. So if you have another... Another platform you prefer, let me know. But uh, anyway, let's not, uh, let's not take any more time. Let's get right over to my conversation with the one and only John Webb. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to You Know It's Fake, Right? And joining me on the line, he's a former WLW Junior Heavyweight Champion, a former WLW World Tag Team Champion, and a former WLW World Heavyweight Champion. He is the hybrid ace, John Webb. John, what is going on, man? What's going on, dude? 
It's been a minute, man. How you been? Oh, you know, just enjoying enjoying the family and and uh, wrestling winning where I can and you know doing the old shoot skis. The old shoot job, right? The job that actually pays bills and, you know, allows you to live a life. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's weird when we I think when people find out about us being in the professional wrestling industry, I think the the big well, and we'll kind of do a deep dive on this, but a, a huge misconception is always like, oh, so that that pays a lot? Yeah, no, not really. Like, uh, not not much at all. I think if people actually knew the uh, specifics, they would probably really be flabbergasted that we do it for what we do it for. Well, and I know a big one. I got I got this this week actually. Uh, some guys from work were wanting to maybe come to the show yesterday, and uh, one of them. Uh, you know, no fault of their own. They don't follow. They're just, you know, wanting to support because they know me. And, uh, but he just looks at me just straight face and goes, so, you know, do you get paid for your tournaments? Yeah. It's always the weird terminology, isn't it? Yep. And you know, it's, it's almost easier to just not even correct it anymore. Just go, yes, I do. I might just let you have it. Well, because that always comes down to more questions, right? Well, it's yep. not really a tournament. It's a wrestling show. Like, I've heard, like, how'd your event go? How did your competition go? I mean, I've tournaments, I've heard it all. Like, pro wrestling is one of the weirdest things because no one really knows anything about it. And I think that's kind of been the core of this show is really more of a deep dive on on us kind of navigating real life through this cartoon world of pro wrestling, right? Right. And the fun thing is because so – like I, I work with all guys. There's 40 uh, hourly uh, employees at my work, and um, you know it, what's funny is, is a lot of them they, they range from you know mid 50s to I think the youngest guy that works for us is like 24, and none of them really watch wrestling, but they have watched it, right? So they'll so, bring up maybe a name of the past or something. Yeah, uh, one guy, every time he walks by my office, he'll just give me the old hacksaw, ho, just walk it, strolling by, and it's like, yep, I get it, I know who that is. And that, and then, you know, and that's and so uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll, I'll have, so I've told this story before, but it's, it's worth telling, uh, one of my supervisors at work, he'll just be, he'll find that awkward silence. Anytime you find an awkward silence, I'm sure, as you know, it's like, oh God, here we go. They're going to ask me something about it. I know it. And he's like, so I was flipping the channels the other day. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And he's like, yeah, I, saw, I saw Undertaker on there. You know, I think I think he's retiring. I was like, yeah. You know, man, I used to watch him do that, you know, that tombstone. Man, I got, I got to tell you, man, that's, that's dangerous stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then he starts, like, explaining to me how it's done. You know, like, so, you know, I mean, and you know, you know the way he grabs them, they're upside down. I mean, pfft. I mean, your head's not going to hit the mat, but it's, it's going to be close. And I'm like, yep, sure is. And I don't even know what to say to this. Like, it's that weird thing of like, man, if I could just go jump out of a window right now, that would completely get me out of this whole conversation. And and I guess when you're not in the wrestling business, and, and I imagine it's like this for any kind of over-the-top job because people at your work probably have never met at a pro wrestler in person. So they see you and you're like, Oh, you're like an actual pro wrestler. It's like, Oh man, 
that's crazy. Like that's wild. I never would have guessed. So we have to. I have to ask you a million questions. Right. Well, uh, you know, so there's been there's been a couple guys. One guy uh, I work with, he actually trained me for my position. He started bringing his family, and and he came to like five or six shows because he wanted to see what it was about. And, um, they're super. Uh, I don't want to say super religious, but pretty religious. And mm-hmm. you know, I reassuring. You know, we don't cuss on the shows, you know, we don't, there's not lewd activities and all, you know. Right, it's a family first, type event. First show he comes to, one of the guys on the show drops a huge F-bomb in the middle of the match, and I lost it because, you know, yeah. like, th- this is one of my bosses here, and I've reassured him this, and uh, I had another, one of the salesmen, he, uh, he lives in Troy, and he... uh he decided he, him and his wife wanted to come one night. And, uh, the next day at work, uh, that Monday, it, you know, he's just going on about it. Just like, yo, you guys got to go. Like, you have to go. It was so much fun. Um, and everybody starts saying, well, yeah, but it's, but it's not real. And I'm like, it, this, this is my best analogy. And I saw it on a documentary where I watched, uh, I think it was one of maybe the dark sides the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "Oh shit, man!" So, like, why have they never arrested Bruce Willis before? What do you mean? I said, "Well, I mean, how many movies? Is he, look at all the people he shot and killed." Well, it's not real; it's a movie. I was like, "Yeah, I know," right? It's, but you, but you believe it for the two hours you watch it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the same concept, dude. Like, yeah, it's it's not real, but. You can still come and enjoy yourself and get lost in the evening. You know, you know, Bruce Willis doesn't fucking shoot people in the face. And to be fair, action movies are so much more fake than pro wrestling is to me, and that's why I don't like action movies. That's such an interesting thing, too, right? Because um, I've I've heard that analogy on pro wrestling so many times. Oh, I don't like it because it's fake. I, I, yeah, I used to watch it as a kid, but I don't watch it because it's fake. But, like, people... And, you know, I'm a Marvel movie fan, but people go to midnight showings of Iron Man, you know? That's always bizarre to me because it's like... Is it because pro wrestling presents itself in a certain way? Like, it doesn't... It doesn't tell you at the end credits. Like, that was Mark Calloway playing The Undertaker. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the reasoning is for that, but... Pro wrestling. Well, we need to take a step back here. Are you telling me Robert Downey Jr. isn't fucking Iron Man? Right, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, that's, and that's the thing is, like you said, well, Bruce Willis is never, he wasn't arrested for, you know, playing John McClane in Die Hard, you know, and he he killed a bunch of terrorists. You're like, and like, they'll probably look at you like you're weird. Like, wait a minute, that's a movie, dude. You know, it's like, yeah, I know. Like, this is entertainment. Like, this is what this is. It's entertainment. So. I don't know, man. It, it's it's very very strange how uh, how people interpret it, and I, I don't know if if wrestling is it is it because they try to play it off as like legitimate, or they spent so many years trying to play it off as legitimate. Because you know, back in the day, that was the whole thing. Is like if anyone found out that this was not on the up and up, our business is done. And obviously, I mean, that's, that's not that's the case. That's gonna be it, right? Right. That, I mean, that, I, that I would be assume where the stigma comes from. I, I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to say. But I mean, like, there's got to be something about that because, you know, I, I remember, I guess, in the '90s when Vince kind of to get out of paying certain 
licenses. He was like, no, this is sports entertainment. It's not real wrestling. So we shouldn't be licensed like boxing or whatever, you know, and word gets out. Oh my gosh, wrestling's not on the up and up. Like, obviously it's not. I mean, you got the missing link. Like he's back in the eighties, he's wearing like green face paint. Like obviously to go into a fight, you wouldn't do this. So why is it that people view it so much differently? I guess. That's the question I guess no one can answer. Well, and it, it's such a it's such a weird question too because then you get the guys on our side of the fence, right? Where it's like, oh, I better not hear anybody call it fake. Oh, I think I think fake is such a, a broad term. Yeah, right. That is what we do. Fake? Yes. Is it fake? No. All at the same time. So. I don't know. It's weird. And I say this a lot. Like my boss at work, he's fake. What do you mean? I'm like, he's lying through his teeth. Like he's fake. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he'll have a meeting telling us how great things are. And like, we know that he's lying. That to me is fake. Um, on a broad term, like, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this too, where people will be like, so they, they like tell you who's going to win and who's going to lose. It's like, yeah. Who, who tells you that? And it's like, you don't want to know. Like, what do you say? Like, you know, it's, it's the promoter. Right. Whoever's well, running and the I, show. Think you, I think you brought up something interesting there, too. It, you know, is your boss at work fake? 100%. Yeah. Because guess what? He has a boss. And if his boss walked in, he'd shut the hell up and sit down. And that's your boss. The new guy that just walked in the door. And especially for, like, the company I work for, there are so many bosses and so many rungs of the ladder to even get to the lady that owns the company right. that like you, you, you'll all get fired before you ever make your way up to her. Right. So that's, that's, that's an interesting, interesting way to look at things here. Think about when you interview for a job, like you're a hundred percent super fake there. That's not your real personality. It's your right. most socially acceptable version of you to try to get hired. So they will, pay you money. Right. Or when, or when you're at work and you answer the phone. Right. Like, like I get that with my wife the, all the the time I'll be on the phone with her and she'll be like, Oh, hold on. I got to answer this. And then she'll pick up her work phone. And it's like, that is not you. It's it's a totally different voice, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and that's part of like a salesman. Like they would say, Oh, you can never trust a salesman. Why is that? Because his only job, his only object is to sell what he's trying to sell. Right. He, yeah, he'll show interest in your life and your family and all, but he doesn't care. He's trying to make a sale. He's fake. Like that's, I think that's what's so interesting about our society is we can, we can applaud certain things, but then look at wrestling and like kind of look down our noses at it or certain people can. And I guess for, for most of my life, I've accepted that, but why does it matter? You know, like I remember wearing a, uh, I had a DDP shirt when I was in fifth grade. And I bought it at like a WCW live event and I was super proud of it because it was one that was like the diamond and had his hands and then his face in the middle. But it wasn't like a super over the top wrestling shirt. You really couldn't tell, you know, unless you knew what it was. And I wore it to school and like some of the people were like, oh, DDP, that's cool. And then so other people like, oh, you like that wrestling stuff, that fake stuff. And it's like, yeah. So what if I do like, what is it? What does that affect your life? You know, isn't and that's to me what has been so weird about 
being a wrestling fan, as you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to tell people you're a wrestling fan. You never, as a pro wrestler, I don't think, especially when you're on an independent level and you're still working a regular job like me and you are, we don't just like first day go, hey, everybody, just so you know, I'm also a pro wrestler. Got any questions? Bring them this way. Well, you know, and it, I, I wonder too, like, <clears throat> just just to make people understand how awkwardly they make us feel. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I would love to walk up to somebody and be like, you know, oh, you're wearing a Harry Potter shirt. You know, that's, you know, it's not real fucking magic, right? <laughs> right. Like that's a movie. That ain't real. And like, how confused would that person be? at our statement. Yeah. And it's like, well, welcome to our world. Right. Right. And that's, and that's the the thing is because it's like that that's, that's okay to be fiction and appreciate it as fiction. But like I, uh, I heard, um, um, there's a clip on YouTube you can look up and it was around probably 99 and it was like a news channel and edge was there for some reason. And it was, you know, around the time WWE was going pretty over the top and all their storylines and they were trying to defend everything they were doing. Which, you look at it through the lens of 2021, a lot of it was really over the top. But at the time, they hadn't done anything like that, so it was very cutting edge. And uh, this guy was on the phone talking to Edge, and he was like, yeah, I love wrestling. I've always loved wrestling. But, you know, it's just it's just too much nowadays. And he's like, but what's the difference? And Edge is saying this as a company guy, which I understand. He's like, what's the difference between this and, like, movies? You see worse stuff in movies, but we see those. Our kids watch those. What's the difference? And he's like, yeah, but it's wrestling. It's, it's it's different than a movie. And he goes, but why is it different? And he's like, well, you know, he's like, Undertaker, like, slit his wrists and pulled blood out and put it in Midian's mouth. And he's like, okay, but didn't they do something like that on Star Wars? And guy's like, well, yeah, but that's not real life. And Edge goes, this isn't either. This is a television show. <laughs> and you could almost just hear the guy, because the guy's over the phone, so you can't see his face. But you can almost just sense his whole tone change. Like, oh, yeah, this is a television show. Like, and, right. and it's like that weird thing of like, oh, man, he's uh, he's literally doing this against Midian's will, will while they're cameraman and lighting technicians. It's so over the top and ridiculous. How are we looking at this as real life? It's not. Well, and I mean, outside of that, like, so someone's filming this. At least one person, one other person's there, so he's an accessory to all that's going on right now. Sure. He's just standing there filming, doing nothing about it. Right. Exactly. There's a security guard at the ramp to make sure no fans get in on the uh, sacrifice that's currently happening. There's commentators <laughs> and a timekeeper over there watching it. I mean, there's a guy selling beer in the third row while Midian is getting sacrificed to the Undertaker. Like, right. <laughs> It's I don't know. It's so over the top. That's what always kind of has uh, baffled me about wrestling. But to kind of tra- transfer, change gears, I guess a little bit. Um, for you, when did you kind of become interested in in pro wrestling, just as a fan? Uh, me, uh, late '96, give or take. It was always for me. It was always that first hour of WCW because, as a whole, I didn't really care for WCW, but I like. All the first hour guys, you like the cruiserweights and stuff. And, yeah, all those guys. Um, so I would watch the first hour of WCW, and then I would um, switch over to Raw because I I enjoyed WWF more. Um, and then, if you remember, they started starting at the same time. But the cool thing about it was when they did that, you you almost were like, "Damn, now I can't watch 
what I want to see out of this show. And then I learned very quickly that they're because of their ratings and their um, their hours. When one went to commercial, one was coming back from commercial, mm-hmm. and the segments were almost timed the exact same way. So I would uh, flip back and forth between it, you know, so I could catch the stuff I wanted to see from WCW in that first hour of maybe stuff I I could miss a few seconds of on Raw that didn't intrigue me because, to be fair, I mean when you looked at Raw. At that time, your your top guys that you were wanting to see, for me, were going to be your Foley's, Rocks, Austin's, Michael's, Takers, you know, those guys that weren't in until the later portion of the show anyway. Right. So I could miss, uh, uh, you know, Takamichi Noku match, you know, a, a few seconds of it and not really have my feelings there. Not taking anything away from Taka because he's fantastic, but... Um, I would rather rather watch like Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio opposed to Taka and whomever he might have been working at that night. So um, that was the cool thing that that I ended up finding out um, a little later on and and being able to still catch the stuff. Right. Well, and that was such a, to me, a fun time to be a wrestling fan because it was just like, like you said, kind of timed in a way where one's going to commercial one's coming back from commercial or or whatever it might have been and you kind of get wrapped up in oh stinks coming out i want to see what's happening here and then you're like oh that's done oh man stone cold's in the ring wonder what's happening here you know it was always like right something kind of changing and they were so trying to outdo each other for so long it really kind of made us huge fans what was that like for you though when like that attitude era kind of stopped i remember really feeling lost once I realized WCW was gone and not so much that like, cause their product was pretty bad towards the end, but when it was gone, like there was no channel changing. And it's like, now I have to sit through these commercials, these dreaded, horrible commercials, you know? Right. Um, a struggle that kids these days don't understand. They'll never uh, understand that. I don't know, man. Like there was, I remember if you weren't, so I catch a lot of heat from, our um, peers on this one. I'm not a huge fan of Flair. Um, He just never personally did anything at all for me. And I always, to me, if someone was like, if I showed him a Flair match and they went, wow, this is fake. I'd be like, I can see where you get that. Um, I remember distinctly what made me stop watching wrestling for a portion of time was a match. between uh, Flair and Michaels. And in the match, um, Flair's, of course, bleeding. Sean's bleeding. And it's like Sean super kicked him twice, and then Flair pins him and wins. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, this is, this is stupid to me now. Like, so I stopped watching, I'd say, for, oh, man probably two, three years. And I want to say that was like maybe Oh two ish, give or take. Um, and then I stopped watching for a while. Cause I just like that killed me, um, completely on it. Uh, it, which is weird to me that watching, um, stone cold get crucified on 
the Titantron um, intrigued me, yet Ric Flair beating Shawn Michaels is what killed me from it. But um, Well, I don't it, know. that shows it was... that we, we see wrestling differently sometimes, right? And I think that's the thing. Like, I remember being a huge WCW fan when I saw the finger poke of doom, I didn't realize that at the time, but I think that's kind of when my fandom died. Cause it's like, what, what was that? You know, like, and that's the problem I think is when you're invested in something and you want to watch something, it's like, what is that? And, and I also think this with, um, a big thing that's hurt pro wrestling today, in my opinion, is how good television is. Um, anyone can get caught binge watching a really good show nowadays. And to me, it's hard now that I've realized that and there's so many good shows out there and there's so many different ways to watch them. It's hard for me to want to even possibly sit through a three hour raw when I could watch this really good television show. If that makes sense. Oh, yo, guaranteed. Because I mean, just I'm thinking about what's on my TV right now. We have Netflix, Hulu, Peacock, Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another, I'm missing one. Amazon. Maybe have. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah. And then um, That's what five streaming services? Yeah, five that we have. So I don't And that's like the games. standard issue, right? Like that's what right. most people have nowadays. Now, oddly enough, if you add all those up together, that's probably the same price as basic cable. Right. But I mean, like that's but that's how it is. And so I spend more time trying to figure out something to watch as opposed to, you know, watching stuff usually, but but that's what I mean, like it, I, I'm not even invested in the current WWE product, right? And and a lot of that has to do with like the Thunderdome and stuff like that. But it's like it would be hard for me to sit through and watch these shows when there's all these good television shows I can watch. And and if for a long time I kind of wondered if it was my fandom kind of slipping away because when I was younger, wrestling always took number one priority. But as I've gotten older, it's kind of been like, man, I kind of want to watch this really good show instead, you know? And I think, well, and that's what I was going to ask you was, did you did, uh, you know, I think with anything else, um, it kind of in this category, and this is what I might chalk it up to like, uh, with Santa or the Easter bunny or whatever, did mom and dad sit you down and say like, Hey, tiny breaker, you know, this isn't real. Or, or, or did you just, did they let you just figure it out and not ruin it for you? Uh, yeah, I was, I was basically, I questioned it and they didn't lie to me more or less. Right. And, um, which I think is the best way to do it because I think at a certain point you start to realize like, Oh, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense now. Right. You know? And, um, and that's kind of how it always has been. Like now with pro wrestling, I remember being told young, like, Oh, that's, that's fake. It's not real. And it's like, wait, what? And even then I remember even seeing guys like get suplexed and body slammed. I'm like, how is like that hurts, you know, like, and, and like, and that's, what's so funny. Cause I remember talking to people like I didn't, I had some family members that would tell me like, Oh, it's not real. Like, well, how do they punch? And they would explain to me the intricacies of how they do that. Looking at it now, it's like, you didn't know, like you have no idea to me. It would be like trying to explain how a magician does a magic trick. Like, so that, that's what I, mean, that's funny. You bring that up. I'm I'm kind of a geek for magic. Yeah, me um, too. Because I feel like it's very similar to pro wrestling, but right. I've never been to like a magic show and be like, you know what? I bet you he really did saw that woman in half. I can't believe we didn't see blood everywhere. You know, like, obviously it's an illusion. That's part of what makes it intriguing is that you don't exactly know how he did it. Well, and I don't know if, if, like I'm an anomaly or what, but like I've always been intrigued with 
um, <clears throat> when we were younger, they used to have that like magic secret show that came on. Oh, the mask magician, the really weird mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, they would like explain how the magic tricks were done. Um, very similar to the one that uh, that Harley took place in, where mm-hmm. it's like his blacked out figure. You can tell from ten miles away that that's fucking Harley sitting there talking, but right. they like blacked him out. Watching stuff like that was always super intriguing to me. It's, pretty, it it's a peek never, behind the curtain, you know? But it never ruined it for me. It's right. like, oh, that's how they did that trick. And then I could turn around and watch someone do that trick, and I would be like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Well, because it's also, too, like I, I remember seeing a uh, a magic trick that was explained. This is how it's done. And then I went to a show actually in Branson, and the magician there did that trick. And so I knew when they were setting it up, I'm like, oh, I know how this one's done. Of course, I'm not going to ruin it for my niece or nephew, right? Because I'm not a prick, um, like a lot of people are. But I'm like, oh, that's cool. And so I'm sitting there watching how he does it, and I'm like, they're slick. They're really slick. Like I, Because I knew right. what they were doing, but then when I saw it take place, I'm like, damn, that was good. you know. And I saw one the other day, uh, yesterday, I think, uh, and it was shot from someone's phone on – like the side of the stage, like back behind the curtain. I somehow have got myself into this vantage point of this act. And there's a, like a throne, like a chair on the stage. And he's, he's up there doing all of his fancy cape flipping and stuff. And he pops the cape up over the throne and like, you can see it drapes into the chair and then he grabs it and pulls it off. And here's this chick sitting there. And I'm like, I am I am 32 years old, and how the fuck did this guy just do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it yeah. was done so well, but I don't care because I can allow myself to enjoy things and not just go, well, I know it's fake, but... Right. But that's what has always been so, to me, appealing about something like magic because it's like you're up there doing something that obviously takes a lot of practice, takes a whole lot of skill... A lot of showmanship, and also too, you have to be cutting edge. And you're in a business that people are trying to prove that you don't like that this isn't a real thing. But it's like we don't like I've never went to a magic show thinking like, man, like I was saying before, like I really want this to all be real. It's like no, real magic would scare the crap out of us. Like we want it to be illusion. That's the whole purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. So uh, to kind of get back on track, what we were talking about before, uh, being a wrestling fan. Uh, maybe kind of getting out of the business or having those lulls, which I think is very normal for most of us to kind of like be like, eh, I'm not really into what they're doing right now or not watching as much. Um, your buddy Jack Gamble joins uh, WLW um, Wrestling Academy. I know uh, you followed suit pretty shortly thereafter. And you kind of right. took some breaks here and there, right? Like to, before you kind of yeah, like yeah, really yeah. settled your feet and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Right. And it wasn't so much because of that. Uh, so I left actually three times. Um, after I had initially started training in 09 and two of the times was just financially, um, sure. and that's, that's hard, the hard thing to keep that, up with. Yeah. Most people don't get like three grand, right? I mean, that's not a small sum of cash for a kid who's probably between 18 and 21. Right. And the third time was just cause I felt like I was being treated very poorly because I know I am a man of giant stature at five foot seven and 163 pounds, but, mm-hmm. um, 
I, I just had felt at that time like people were taking advantage of me just because of that. And I just kind of got tired of putting up with it. And that was you, what you took out in 11? I left the, in 2012. 12. Yeah. Okay. So that's when I came back because you actually got me to come back. Um, and then I debuted in September of 12 with old Mr. Simon Gotch. That's right. And, um, yeah, that I pretty much didn't stop. And it started, so for me, like, the whole wrestling game, um, did I try as hard as I should have at all times? Probably not. But I also felt like there was around 2014 and 15, I mean, I hit Japan twice, mm-hmm. and then... And for three I months mean, at a time, quite a, quite a long, yeah. long time to be there. So 2015, um, I had probably the most matches in a year I'd ever had with the most companies. And I just kept noticing that around here, you know, the Midwest, you weren't really going to get that great of an opportunity regardless how good you either were or thought you were for the simple fact that most promoters have like their guys. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that I'm like, okay, so I'm kind of playing a rigged game, but that was also the time where that, um, big thing started kicking up of like, well, if you want to work for us, come set up our ring. I'm not going to guarantee you're going to work or that I'm even going to pay you. But drive to Indiana. It's that weird thing of, and, I, and you can probably speak more to this. A lot of promoters and or companies, I think, feel like like the the level is like WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, then us. We're number four. Yeah, and like that's well, never the case. And it's that weird thing of. So if you want an opportunity, you have to come and do all this stuff. And and that's and I and I've heard people kind of put out there like, no, you need to do that because that's how you build connections. And like they're right. But is that the I mean, like that seems like a lot to ask somebody to do. I, I mean, I think sometimes we get in that wrestling bubble and we do things that that's what we do because we're wrestlers, but if you actually like think and break it down and use your head and take wrestling out of the equation, it's like you wouldn't do this for anything else not like not for a regular job right like you would never like hey go do this on your own dime on your own money on all that stuff and maybe we'll hire you but we don't know and i think i let my own probably my own just like hard-headedness get in the way of of maybe being able to do something more but it was like the way i saw it was like listen i'm not i'm not you know, Bill that wrestles out of Arkansas that just wants to be on your show. Like I was, I'm in the group of guys that got flown to Japan and didn't pay my way there because they saw something they wanted to use. Yeah. So I feel like I should hold a little more stock in your opinion than, you know, whoever the fuck else is trying to get on your show and there's been a lot of guys that have 
have taken that route and done well. Um, I, I mean, one guy, I've known him for a long time. I don't know that you ever met him. Um, he tried a different couple gimmicks in Dynamo, uh, Jake Parnell, and now he's uh, he goes by the War Horse. Sure, yeah, and, and he's kind of he did some stuff in AEW, yeah, yeah, and he he super nice dude. I've I've had nothing but but positive interactions with him every time I've been around him. Um, but that's what he started doing. He just started going in and everywhere mm-hmm. and. It worked out for him and, and cool. That, that's well, and he also that's, had a he had a character, right? I mean, right. It wasn't like he was just being like I'm random indie guy number two. He had yeah. something I think people could attach to. He's showing up everywhere. You're seeing him everywhere. But it's also one of those things at a certain point. Like, how long do you do that for? You know, like right. How much money do you have? How many miles can you put on your car? Like at a certain point. I mean, you mentioned earlier you're 32. I'm 35. Like. Me and you, when we met, I don't know if we had two nickels to rub together, right? Like we, right now we both own houses. We have cars. Like it's, it's that weird thing of like, what's more important to you in life? And I think at a certain point, like I spent so much time putting myself in a position so that wrestling came first. It took me, it took me until, you know, maybe a few years ago when I got the job I have now where I'm like, you know what? I need to like not worry about that and focus on myself because it's like maybe I don't want to just rent a room out of a house or rent a condo that's you know less than stellar I want to have like my own stuff and my own thing and not have to deal with all that stuff anymore so that was a, a breakthrough point for myself and I don't know if, if you kind of feel the same way yeah I, yeah I do and I, a lot of it boils down to it and I think when you're in this position, you'll really, really grasp it. I think you're going to understand what I mean just because you're an intelligent person. But, like, then, you know, getting married and having a kid, like, so my mom was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And she, I'm not saying I had a bad childhood, but I think you also always want to to try to do better for your own kids than what you had. Yeah, of course, human nature. You want them to not suffer the way you did, supposedly, right? Right. And I'm not saying that it was bad. Sure. There were times that weren't fun, sure. But um, then, you know, you get wrapped up in like a shoot job or whatever. And I make pretty decent money. I can pretty much work all the overtime I want. I enjoy most of the people I work with. Mm -hmm. Did Did I grow up, you know envisioning I would be working at this place? No. But I also sit back and go, but I really want my wife and daughter to not live in a shitty apartment and be able to eat. Mm-hmm. So eh, what do you do? You know? Right. I, it's what's important still, to you now I, that I maybe wasn't wrestle. important a few years ago. Right. I still wrestle. I, I mean, I wrestled last night. Um, the last three shows we did, we were beyond sold out mm-hmm. in the arena, which was fucking cool. Absolutely. Last night, not so much, but as you know, and a lot of other places know, and it's summertime, you yeah. know, people are camping and vacationing. And I mean, this morning I was on Facebook for a minute and I don't know how many people on my Facebook are posting pictures down in Florida and, right. 
you know, on the Gulf and shit because they're all on vacation with their family. Right. It's just what you do in the summer. So still, still a pretty decent crowd, still a good show. But I mean, for me, and, and I know guys like me, uh, tend to catch quite a bit of heat now for it, uh, from again, our peers where it's like, this is for me, this is fine. Like I'm content with this. And then, you know, I always hear people will, if you're not trying to make it, then don't take somebody's spot. If, if me doing this as limited as I am and you can't do better than me to get my spot, uh, do you need it? That's kind of how I see it. You know what I mean? It's such a weird mindset. Have you noticed in pro wrestling, probably more so than almost any other industry, everyone really worries about the other people. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like where it's like, I'm going to tell you what you need to be doing yet. If I'm not in a position where I'm like Uber successful or had been Uber successful, like what does that matter? You know what I mean? And, um, I, I see that all the time of like, Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And like at the end of the day, like who am I to tell you what you need to do? And, and you brought it up earlier about you kind of leaving the wrestling industry. When I, when I had talked to you about coming back, if I remember correctly, all I was saying because because I I knew you left because of a certain individual, and I and I even told you I was like, man, you don't have to wrestle here, but like it's it would be a waste to not pursue this further. You know what I mean? Like make use of all those squats you did and all that crap you went through in training. Like at least see it through and 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 spend some time in the industry. Like you don't have to do it here. Like it's not the end all be all. You can go to another company. You know, there's a few just a you know few hours away that you could maybe train at and work at and stuff, but it's like it would be a waste to not ever be able to do it to some degree. So anyway, point being with all that, it's just wrestling is such a, a very, very different industry, and I think because it's full of like faux pas and unwritten rules, sometimes it's really hard to navigate the right direction to go on stuff. Well, you know, it, it, you made me think of something before. You know, there's there's very, 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 very few people that I ask for their opinion on stuff because I either respect them or I know they know what they're talking about um, because I can I can gauge that off of what they've done, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like you, I will ask you, uh, Steve Fender. I'll ask his opinion fourteen times in Japan. Pretty good track record, right? Sure. Um, but I did a show and, uh, one of the vets tore my match apart. I'm like, okay, like, I don't know. I was getting pretty decent crowd reactions, but whatever. But basically that's saying always... everything you did was wrong, right? Yeah. 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 And but that's always kind of how I gauge was my match good or not. There's, there's two ways I look at this. Was it good in people that I respect's opinion for a wrestling match. Right. Did the people enjoy it? Those are two ways I look at it. If, if the crowd's really going at it and enjoying it, then I don't know. To me, it was a success. If the crowd's not really into it and there's been times I came back and been told, I don't know what the deal is tonight. You guys did. Uh, you, uh, I worked that show in Oklahoma, and me and uh, I cannot remember his name. Oh, uh, Mascara Papora. Yes, 
our match. And I come back and I'm just like, well, I guess we suck dick tonight. And you're like, no, that was a really good match. I don't know what the deal is tonight. That crowd was weird all night though. Like that was. And so I've had it both ways where, um, that's been the case, but I watch, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to watch this match because there's something I'm, that's not clicking in my head. And you're talking about the person that tears your match apart. Critiques me. Yeah. 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 He goes out with another vet and proceeds to have one of the worst matches I've seen personally. They got zero crowd reaction the entire time mm-hmm. and then had the audacity to come back to the back like, you know, and that's how it's done. <laughs> Is it though? Like what, what did I just see? Like yeah. that was the shits and no one cared. I don't know. I, you know, it, that goes along with another thing. People. Well, and it's weird that, that he didn't even recognize himself that it wasn't good. You know, like, he, right. Or at least not like at the end of the day, like you can you can paint any way you want to, but if the crowd who paid money to see it is not into it, then it's not good because they're the ones that paid money to come watch you wrestle. If they are not into your match, by and large, then it is not good. I've always kind of had that that mindset, and I'm not saying you have to do a bunch of stuff that you normally wouldn't do, but it's like I mean, there's 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 a a way to kind of work towards any crowd you're working for. Well, and I heard this not long ago that if you get a this is awesome chant in your match, then it's a bad match. And I was like, please break that down for me. I don't understand this concept because if collectively the group of people that paid money to see this, whether it be 25 people or 2,000 people sitting there, are all simultaneously chanting positive things for your match, then it's not bad. Well, that's a philosophy thing, I I think, more than anything. And I think the philosophy on that is, like, the heel doesn't have heat. And and I understand the thought process behind that, but I think philosophy in wrestling is always one of those things where you'll have guys say, like, we we don't put anything together. We call it in the ring. Okay. Sure. And and people will ask me which which is better and I'm like you you kind of need to know how to do both. Like do you need to know how to call it in the ring? 100%. Because what if something happens? But that doesn't mean like you shouldn't put anything together in the back. You know, but that same time should you put everything together? Like I have always kind of put two things together in pieces and had ideas of what I was going to do based on the crowd and things of that nature, but mm-hmm. there's no like to me that's like putting a textbook, this is what is right and this is what is wrong. That's not really how it is, I don't think. So Well, and people evolve and change and what right. they want to see. So I've had matches with guys where we have put 100% of everything together. And, like, if you look at uh, when Gamble and myself were wrestling uh, the Black Hand Warriors every show mm-hmm. in Troy we condition the fans to expect something. So we could put A through Z together and we knew they were going to bite on it every time. Mm-hmm. If we went and worked them at Dynamo, we may not put A through Z together. We may hit A, N, and Z. Because, again, we've worked each other countless times 
to where we can fill it all in. Or if we wanted to, you know, you said being able to do both, Dave could have put me in a hold and been like, hey, you remember that spot we did last weekend? Mm -hmm. This, this, and this? Let's do it. Okay. I already know what the spot is because we just did it. Yeah. And he could make the call to throw it in there if he thought that that specific spot would work. And we did that multiple times too. So I think it's, it's to me, it's all about where you work. Um, if me and you wrestle each other for uh, the first time in a long time in Jefferson City, we didn't put a whole lot together. We just kind of, we, we knew where we were starting, which I have a fantastic picture of. And we knew what the finish was. Right. And we we pretty much just went out there. I will say excluding my comeback. My comeback, I always pretty much wanted the other guy to know because sure. it's super hard to call when you're running right. the whole time. Um, well, and you also want him to be aware of what's happening because if you need him to take a bump or to sell a certain way and he doesn't, it throws the, all your momentum off. Yeah, and and that's and that's another thing where, like, there's no direct way to do it, right? I mean, there's no like this is right, this is wrong. There's pro wrestling is super subjective. Did they get this is awesome chance back in the AWA? No, because that wasn't a thing then, right? Like, no, no one got it back in those days because that's a new age thing. Same as like Fight Forever or any of that stuff. Is everything they do today great? Absolutely not. There's a lot of stuff I completely dislike. But there's also probably stuff back in the day that wasn't very good either. But there's also those hidden gems in there that you'll find like, wow, that's really good. Or seeing something and be like, man, that's a really good way to go into that. No one does that anymore. I'm going to modify that to fit my style today. So that's that's the thing that's always kind of been, I, I guess, baffling about pro wrestling is You'll have certain people who, like you said, have that mindset of like, this is how it's done. And they'll say like, yep, that's, that's how it's done. That's the right answer. There you go. And it's like, okay, like that still sucks though. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and well, I think, it and always, I think what, ahead, what people don't understand about some of those spots too, is though that like selling is such a, a, a integral part of it sure. where, uh, last night there was a triple threat match. Uh, one guy, you know, really well, two guys that are newer. And they wanted to do a <clears throat> waterfall spot, kind of um, very reminiscent of a, a a Japanese whip it out and measure it spot. And um, so one of them, one of them super kicks the other. The other one, you know, sells for a second, stops the the super kicker. The, the guy that throws a super kick does a big pump knee, got great sound off it, looked amazing. The other guy eats the knee and, you know, back pedals into the ropes, comes back in, hits him with a big pump knee. They both go down. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I don't mind the spot. Uh, just what I like watching. What I didn't like about it was the, the one that threw the last pump knee went straight to the next spot. Mm -hmm. And I tried explaining to him after it, like, I don't, I'm not going to shit on what you guys did. I liked what you guys were doing. I said, and I hate to sound old, but you completely no sold it. 
Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense at that point because you were like, okay, 450's next. Yep. So I'm going to drag him over there. I was like, had you just crawled to where he, cause he was the, the other one ate it, fell to his ass and was like laying on the bottom rope basically. Right. And I'm like, had you just crawled to the ropes and like pulled yourself up and hung on to the top rope as you grabbed him by the hair to pull him up? Like I probably, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, but you literally just got the fuck up and walked over there. Mm-hmm. Like you, there was nothing to it. And so. He just looks like, okay, knee me in the face because apparently it don't fucking hurt. Right. And and that's and th- but that's also that thing of like, well, why do it then if if you're not going to sell it? And um, well, and I and I've had this conversation with people before. I don't know if you saw that spot they did on NXT where Adam Cole turned on Kyle O'Reilly. He gave him one super kick and he was down and out. And it's like, well, if that was a match, he'd have given him five. Right. And that's where it's like that that weird disconnect, right? Like, oh, so he's completely fresh. He's not even in a match. One super kick and he's down. It's like, okay. That's, I think, where like the the lapse in psychology can be sometimes and like the the weird power-ups and the no-cells and all that stuff. I think it's it's one of those things where I can, I can completely understand where someone who's old school does not like that because it right. doesn't work in today's standards. But, I mean, you think about the weird power-ps. Isn't that what hulking up was too? Like, right. Or Shawn Michaels doing the nip up. Like that's kind of what that was. But you know, at the end of the day, and I heard this from somebody and I was like, that's so true. He's like, everyone's work gets picked apart until they're over and then they can do whatever they want. Right. Like, I mean, you could tell John Cena in probably 2002, like, don't do that stupid five knuckle shuffle thing. That's no, that's dumb. It'll never get over. Who's going to tell him that now? Because last I checked, Cena probably draws a tad bit more money than me or you do. So, um, that's the thing is when you're over, you can do whatever you want to leading up to that point. It's a little bit different. And, and that's the whole thing is like, you can, you can tell someone like, Hey, why would you do that? And then, um, they can look at you like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, you didn't sell the knee. Well, you know, I was trying to get to the four fifty. It's like, you're not, this is not television. Like why, why wouldn't you take your time? Like, and that's another thing too. I think with putting everything together, you miss those moments to sell. Like I, uh, I remember one specific time I took a hard buckle in this kind of smaller ring from this real big guy and the top rope, it didn't break, but it came off the, uh, the hinge, like the hook came out mm-hmm. then. So it looked like it broke and a huge reaction. Cause it's like, Oh, we broke the ring. And so I hit the ground and he went to grab me and I said, let me sell. I was like, just let me sell. And he didn't know what to do. I was like, just let me sell because what we were going to do next, this is better. You know, and it's to me, it's just right. going in that in that thought of like this is insane. No one sees that happen very often. We got to go with it, and and you know, eventually we got back to where we needed to be. But it's you got to have those moments where you you can register and think on the fly, and because I mean, how like what if what if the spot was he shoots me in hard buckle, boom, and then gives me um, you know big spine buster, and then I power up and I clothesline him. Well, that's not better than the rope breaking. Right. So, yeah, sometimes you have to go with what happens, I think. Well, and it, it's also one of those things, too, where I think experience comes into play and, and you're thinking of where you're going, mm-hmm. right? Because um, one of the best sells ever in the history of wrestling, in my opinion, is uh, <clears throat> Foley 
interviewing himself as the three faces mm-hmm. when Triple H is in the ring and then Cactus Jack comes out and Triple H sells it like he saw a fucking ghost and then just starts getting pissed off about it. Yeah. Because that that's not what was supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be the crazy one, you know. So, like, in an instance like that where I could say, for me personally, had it been me and you and for whatever reason I shot you into the buckle and it broke, I would have probably... Yeah, you remember when we were in Japan and every time you would do something, Taka and everybody would bump on the apron? Sure. Like, I feel like that's where I would have went. Like, yeah. it hit, I fall, like, what just happened? Because, honestly, in that moment, what just happened? Right. So play up to it. And that gives you that time to buy where he probably, you know, he comes over to pick you up. You're like, no, leave me the fuck alone. And then he just, like, awkwardly stands back up and, like, backpedals a little. And, mm-hmm. he's you know, doesn't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what to do because you guys just broke the fucking ring. So sell the broken ring. Exactly. And and that I think what he ended up doing is when I told him I was like, no, just let me sell, let me sell, let me sell. He 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 covered, and I just did a, a real nice false finish. Right. One, two. Oh, barely kicked out because it's a believable finish. I hit the buckle so hard it broke off the ring. You know. Right. And now here's another thing: the ropes off. So if we had anything big planned off the ropes, that's out of the the question now so now where do we go and you know it was near the end of the match so it was fine but like i i think at one point i was going to hit the ropes he was going to give me a big like ron simmons style spine buster well i can't hit the ropes now so what can we do can we change that of course we can you know but we have to be able to adapt and so that's what i told him i was like i'm gonna hit you grab my wrist when i go to to take off and pull me in spine buster me it's the same thing. It's just I'm not hitting the ropes. But how right. weird would that look if I walked over to the ropes and like p- pantomime hitting them? You know what I mean? Like, right. And that's that's the that's learning how to work and, and adapting and all that stuff. And that's the part I think is takes time and energy and all that other stuff to get somewhat decent at. And uh, anyway, man, uh, this has been a lot of fun catching up, dude. I, we're kind of a, kind of approaching the end of our uh, time here, and I know you have a, a young one taking a nap who's probably going to be waking up pretty soon. Right. So yeah, uh, that's the joys of it. Yeah. You're, you're hour away. Yeah. Uh, you got any social media or anything you want to plug? Let people know where they can find you. Uh, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram at uh, John Webb HLE, I believe is what it is, and uh, I don't tweet myself or send myself Instagrams often, but, um, I believe that's what it is. And that's, that's pretty much where I'm at now, man. Awesome, dude. Uh, like I said, it's been a lot of fun catching up. Uh, you can catch John Webb at, um, I believe most of the WLW shows there in Troy. Um, seems like you guys are kind of getting back up and running and kind of a somewhat normal schedule again, which is cool. Yeah. 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 We're, we're last night was the summer kickoff and, and we have some stuff coming up. Uh, outside of Troy as well, you'll be able to to get all the details from either HarleyRace.com or WLW's Twitter. So, well, I know we have some. We're doing some military shows coming up, uh, and uh, that's going to be a be a big big thing we're starting soon. So, oh, very cool. So everybody, go check that out HarleyRace.com or 
World League Wrestling on uh, Instagram or Twitter. And John, once again, thanks for being on the show, man. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. Big shout out to the hybrid ace himself, Mr. John Webb's always always fun chopping it up with him. Um, in fact, I think the last several podcasts we have done have been Skype, which I mean, I love the fact that I have that ability to record on Skype, but in person's always so much better. But geographically, it's sometimes it's just it's just not easy. But always always great talking it up with uh, with John Webb. And, uh, and like I said uh, in the opening of the show, check out some of my previous episodes. There's a lot of really good uh, content there now. This is episode 37, so 36 other episodes for you to check out. And, um, of course, the Podcasting Buddies. we got to give shout-outs, right? The Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast with Jeff and Scott, two of my really good friends, plus Scott's side project, Drunk Wrestling History. Doing the Favor with Eric and Barry, the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast with Steve and Eric, the Ringside Rant with RJ, the Leisure and Lariats Podcast with my buddy Ruthless Ryan Davidson, who recently had an appearance on Episode 5 of Heels. Check that out. Uh, Boot to the Face, Tales from the Estate with my buddy Drew Vinsel and his wife Caitlin, another go-to of mine, really fun show. Wreck My Podcast with Jordan Zeilinger, who was a guest a couple of weeks ago. Trivia with the Buds with Ryan Buds, Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair, with a chair Shot, another fun one. Night of the Nerdy Laser Podcast, Howlin' with the Wolf with my buddy Jason Wolf, uh, who's also doing amazing on his chop shop. So give him a follow, at The Art of Jason Wolf. And then, of course, if you uh, enjoy me and Bane's stuff, check out other podcasts we do. Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, our flagship show. Bane also has No Holds Barred with Bill Benis. And then, of course, me and my good friend Travis Fowler with the TB Toycast. Check all of those out on all major podcasting platforms. Next week will be episode 38. My guest will be the kingpin, Mike Isles, uh, another guy from the Oklahoma area who's uh, kind of involved in everything uh, from managing, ring announcing. He he does commentary, and he does hockey commentary as well. We talk a lot about everything. In fact, uh, he, he tells some really interesting stories about working in a retail store during the boom of the Attitude Era. I think everyone will enjoy that because we all remember that, right? And, you know, that's another thing I always talk about. Is the Attitude Era that good, or was it just so popular that it seemed better than it actually was? Something to, something to think about, something to mow over. Of course, check out uh, T-shirts, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Brian Breaker, BBPH.RedBubble.com, um, WhatAManeuver.net for all of my Breaker and Bane's Power Hour shirts, as well as uh, the TB Toy Cash shirt. You can get all of those there. And that is about all I have to plug, I think, at this point, other than a rating and review. And then quickly, uh, you know, shout-outs to people who listen, who put this over on social media. You know who you are. You know that I appreciate it. I try to respond or like everything that I see. Anytime you guys put something over, it means the absolute world to me. So um, just know that even if maybe I just simply like it, that it means a lot. Sometimes, you know, it's a, it catches you in a busy moment and you're just like, Oh, Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's so cool that they did that. And, um, you know, I'm, we're gearing up, uh, for, I mean, it's September now. Like, I've been doing this for almost a year. It'll be a year in January. So it's been awesome. I love talking with everybody. I think it's really cool that I've met people just through this podcast. Dylan got from a few weeks ago is a great example of that. Someone I met and podcasted with just this year. I think it's great. And a guy I would like to have on again. So, Great stuff. Um, ratings, reviews, putting it over on social media. And, and not just my podcast. I want to stress that out. If there's another podcast you like, put them over. 
Because here's the thing. If I follow you and you listen to a podcast that I'm not aware of and you're like, man, I really like this. Maybe I'm like, hmm, well, let me check that out. Or maybe someone else does. And that's how you build an audience. And I think that the word of mouth is a much bigger tool than some of us even realize. So hit those retweets, hit those likes, put over your favorite podcasts. And uh, remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I cannot make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This is You Know It's Fake Right. And I'll see you guys next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I've been around for a minute, and I can stand toe to toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me, paparazzi record me. I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are bored.